Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. together for once yay nobody's sick no one's sick the weather wasn't bad it's just freaking cold yeah cold i guess that's an excuse not to leave our house even though i wanted it to be (laughs) yes And Margaret and I are both like, I'm doing a low carb diet and she has to do a low sodium diet. So we can't have any of the same foods and we're just trying to survive at this point. (laughs) I brought snacks and Colleen can't eat them. That's okay. I'm drinking lots of water and I had my snacks already for the time. So we're good. Everything's good. Everything's fine. I got so excited because I found low sodium wheat thins and some hummus that had less than 100 milligrams of sodium plus you're serving it and it just made my day so i'm like eating carrot sticks with just like a touch of hummus on them and it's just like oh my god i'm eating hummus so and margaret was like i go i don't even like raw carrots and she's like do you want to try one and i said sure but i could it has eight carbs so i only had one little one and i was like oh my god this is like tasting, like eating candy because i haven't any sugar i'm like i like it i never <laughs> like it tastes so good it's i was like oh apple. yum it was like eating an apple. It was like crunchy and sweet. And I was like, wow, that's crazy how your taste buds change, you know? Uh, We're trying I, to be healthy I, people. Ew. Yeah, I, can't, I have to, though. Me too. Yeah. Well, my doctor told me I had to. So. Well, my doctor told me that I had to a long time ago. And I said, shut <laughs> up. I don't care what you say. I was told I had to do low calorie. I'm not doing low calorie. I'm doing low so sodium. You gotta focus on one thing at a time. But I'm, I'm like eating healthier just because I, I'm not watching carbs, though, because I would die. Well, it's hard to do two. If I had to do both things, forget it. If I if I have to go low carb, I am not doing low caffeine or low or low short low sodium because uh, you can't only do one or the other. No, because I'm like, oh, I have egg salad, and then I can't put salt in it, mm-hmm. and I eat it on a no salt rice cake. Mm. Mm. It's crunchy though, so it's like yeah, I, that's the thing. Know, Crunch is good. Like I those. Like Parmesan, you can't have these because it'd be really high in salt. But I know, Parmesan but they're so crisps, good, though. So good. Oh, I love those, but they're so salty because of the cheese. Yeah, but I can have that, but she can't. So we're no. we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum right now. So, but Swiss cheese, I can have. 
Oh, we can Add crisp it. up some of that. I know Swiss cheese only has 50 milligrams of sodium, oh. and all other cheese is like 150. Is that crazy? And it's all forms of Swiss cheese. So for some reason, Swiss cheese is low sodium. Right. And I'm fine with and that. And I'm I like, love Swiss cheese. I'm tracking everything I'm eating. So like, um, it's crazy like how many carbs and things like you like just like a carrot in three ounces. There's eight carbs. Like a carrot. It's a carrot for God's sakes. But this isn't a forever thing. This is just cutting back for now, lose, lose some poundage. And then, you know, I don't want to have cheat days because I can't do this for the rest of my life. For me, it's more like I can't eat a lot of condiments. Oh, I love condiments. I can't either, though. I know. Because like, there's sugar in them. There's salt in them. Mm-hmm. See, They're we're screwed. Loaded with salt. We're screwed. Both <laughs> Even, of us. Like, well, mayonnaise out of all of them is pretty. It's on the lower yeah, side, and it's like too. you look at the the serving size, and it's like two tablespoons. That's a lot of mayonnaise. Coming from a girl who likes mayonnaise, mm-hmm. so I've been eating a lot less mayonnaise on yeah. my stuff because I'm like I don't need that much, really. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like with, like I love I'm a, I love ranch dressing, mm-hmm. and um, the Aldi's brand Tuscan Garden. Ranch only has one carb and two tablespoons. I don't eat that much. No. I don't eat two tablespoons. So I have like, a, like I make myself a chaffle in the morning and I put some sriracha on it and a little bit of ranch. You can give me what? some. Make yourself a, a what? A chaffle. A chaffle? Yeah. What's that? It's, you have a little mini waffle maker and you, like in the morning I'll have like a egg chaffle, which is just eggs and cheese and you can put veggies in it and stuff and you throw it in your little waffle maker and you make it so good. Mm. And then I do like last night. I did a parm chaffle, which a chicken parm one, which was just chicken, cheese, and egg, and I threw it in there, and then I baked it with a little bit of sauce on it. It was really good. It, everything gets crispy. Sometimes I just put two slices of cheese in there and let them crisp right up good, and then put some turkey in the middle of it and eat it. It's like a crunchy wrap. Yum. So I, I had a chaffle. I know. You can't have it. A little bit of cheese. A little yeah. bit of Swiss cheese. You can put Swiss cheese in it. I do like Swiss cheese, though. Um, but it's good. You can just, you don't have to put cheese in your, your egg. You can put an egg in there and just have like an egg patty, but you could just scramble an egg too. It's the same idea. So it's not as fun as a chaffle, Mm -hmm. but give me ranch and hot sauce and I probably could eat anything you gave me. And even like hot sauce, like, oh, there's so much sodium in it. I'm like, wait, that's in like a teaspoon. Like you're not not having that much. Unless you're my husband who eats like a tablespoon of hot sauce. He eats sriracha like we eat ketchup. That's, I, I eat pretty heavy handed with a sriracha, but I know I don't eat what he eats, I'm sure. No, but. like how, if you eat mac and cheese and you squirt a bunch of ketchup on it, that's, that's what, what he does with the sriracha. Yes, I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> he's like, I could just squirt it in a spoon and eat it because it's not hot. I, like, sriracha isn't insane. bad. He's insane. It is too much, so I couldn't do that. But <laughs> like, a sriracha <sighs> isn't that hot. It's like coated, coated. <laughs> Every inch of the mac and cheese is coated. And then he ate it all off and then squirted more on. Well, I wonder if he's a zombie because you ever watch the show I Zombie? Yes. And remember she had a hot sauce I on know, everything. I know he loves that show. I think he's a zombie. I love that show too. If his hair, his hair is turning white. Yeah, he's got lots of white hairs in there. He might be. He might a be a zombie. With his hot so, sauce addiction. We. Uh, so I'm really happy we're in the same room doing this. This is better than being it on really Zoom. Is. Um, we have a cool special thing coming up. We're going to be doing a special interview next week. That's going to go. Um, it's going to be one of our episodes. So stay tuned for that. Um, and do you want to jump in? You ready to jump in? You ready for this episode? This episode? I am. Okay. So. I am posting. We're going. Oh, yeah. Post we're it. going live later. And I just wanted to make sure that. Uh, yeah, we're going to do our Terrible Trends episode after this one. So we'll be live on 
So I my I I went with this episode because a friend of mine said that she just watched the documentary that was had based kind of around that and I had watched it like a year ago or so and I was like, "Oh my god, I got to do this episode on this because I love this this history of this." So I'm talking about the Cecil Hotel. Ooh. So the Cecil Hotel, if you don't know, where have you been? But is in downtown Los Angeles, right on the main street, Los Angeles, right in the heart. And um, it was built in the 20s and it was built to be a place where rich people would go to, like socialites or businessmen traveling. It was built near a railroad to make it easier for people, that kind of thing. It it has an Art Deco style and it's actually really beautiful. Just the lobby and everything is very beautiful. It cost a million dollars in the 20s to build. Wow. So they were meant business when they built this hotel. Um, it had and it, fancy place. It was fancy. Um, there were over four thousand pieces of furniture, and it took a hundred trucks loads to get everything that they wanted, and everything was custom made for the hotel. So they really were serious when they were building this hotel to be like a fancy schmancy. Let's make a lot of money. Let's let's cater to the upper class. Um, they. <laughs> It opened its doors December 20th, 1924, and um, there were 700 rooms in this hotel, which seems crazy. Mm -hmm. I think 14 floors. Um, It's full of marble, basically. There's marble all through the um, lobby area, the bar. The the stairway is giant. Um, There's stained glass throughout. Um, Is it still there? It sure is still standing, yes. No, all this stuff, like this. Uh, the 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 lobby is gorgeous. I'll just put it there. The lobby is still gorgeous. Okay. Um. <laughs> however, when the great so one thing happened was that people started traveling by car, so train travel wasn't as a big of a thing. So since they built by the train station, the hotel. It, it was losing its like niche, you know, because it wasn't people weren't right. coming in on the train like they used to. Um, Rich so that, people weren't coming in. On yes, the train because like they, they had cars, to. and that's right. that's the thing. So um, what happened was the Great Depression hit, you know, and that happened, and the economy collapsed, and the area around there became Skid Row. So you had this big fancy this big fancy hotel smack dab in Skid Row, and um, there was a house of thousands of homeless people to this day. And, but it has become named the Haunted Hotel of Los Angeles. Ooh. Ooh. So Skid Row during the Depression and to this day, really, if you think about it, is where you end up when you have no other options left. It's like where you're going to go. Um, it's, so that's not an optimal place where you want a fancy million dollar hotel. In the middle of where people are living homeless and have not have anything. Well, rich people don't want to drive through that. No. No. Um, How dare them? They were no longer, no longer rich people were staying there. So to survive, they started opening up to nightly, monthly, weekly things. So people, yeah, (laughs) people, if they had a little bit of money, they'd stay there, the homeless. And if they didn't, they didn't. Um, and I'm just going to tell about the history of kind of the area of Los Angeles during the, like, 
throughout the history of this the Cecil because um the Skid Row piece, like in the seventies after Vietnam, soldiers with PTSD and drug addictions and stuff kind of gravitated to that area. Easy to get what you needed. You had groups of people that were like you there. So it kind of, yeah. people that were having mental health issues were gravitating towards Skid Row. Um, also, um, the rooms, and then if they Cecil, the rooms were really kind of cheap at the time. So because they had to, be, they had to get money. They didn't have the other option. Couldn't get rich people to come there anymore. So they had to do something to get money coming in. Also in the 60s, the government, for some reason, and I should have looked more into this, released... We had a big push to release people with mental illness back into communities. They thought okay. that was a good, which probably in the sixties is probably terrible to be in an institution because oh, I can yeah. imagine what it would have been like, you know, but I also know that there's some people that probably sh- needed help and they weren't going to get it anymore. So many of those people hit the streets of LA and ended up on Skid Row. First of all, you're homeless staying, going out West and seeing California year round. People that were schizophrenic. Yes. Because that was just something, if you were had schizophrenia, they just threw you in the oh, yeah, no asylum cares. and left you there. Yeah. And, well, you, th- you think about the where would be a better place to be if you were homeless, though, where it was warm year-round. California right. is a perfect spot. Right. And Skid Row was kind of famous. Like, it was, they had, like, tent communities and things going on, you know? Yeah. Um, so, that was just, like, the history around, like, the building itself and how Skid Row came to be and how it was a... Big deal for, um, <coughs> so Margaret, Margaret was trying to quietly, uh, pantomime. point, pantomime that she wanted to get a blanket. And I was like, what the heck is she doing? And I was like, I had to pause it. So Sorry. anyway, no, you were fine. So anyway, um, that was like the history around it and where, how Skid Row came to be and what was going on around the hotel. So it kind of plays into the story of the history of the hotel itself. So at first it was booming, it was roaring, it was fancy place to be. Everyone went there. It was where you went. But then when the surrounding area started to decline, and plus the railroads weren't being used for travel anymore because rich people were using cars, it wasn't a place to go anymore. Um, and over the years, they've that the hotel has been a place of suicide, murders, and even housed some serial killers oh inside God. its walls. When you're saying it was a fancy place, all I could think of is. Who has ended up there? Don't say anything. I'm not. I could just picture, you know. Who. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so many people have taken their lives inside this hotel. It got the nickname The Suicide, which is terrible. Yeah. Um, November 14th, 1931, <clears throat> James Willie, 46, from Chicago, got a room at the Cecil. His real name actually was W.K. Norton. He actually only lived 15 miles away, but when he checked in, he said his name was James Willies, and he lived in Chicago. Um, he had disappeared from his home the Saturday before and wasn't found. Um, he, ew, he was found by a maid at the Cecil. He had poisoned himself, and there was uh, that's when they established his identity because they found checks he had written out to his wife money he'd written out to her and then he went to the hotel lied where he lived and then poisoned Wouldn't himself wouldn't she get his money anyway i don't know weird, weird. september 17th 1932 so like a year later um gunshots were heard inside the walls a cleaning maid ran to the room and found um 
a body of 25-year-old Benjamin uh, Donian. He actually only lived two miles from the hotel. He checked in two hours earlier, and it was a presumed suicide, but no one ever really explained it, and no one ever looked into it. And one of the things you're going to find when it comes to this hotel, because of where it's located, people don't care so much. Mm. People don't care because it's a bunch of losers, they think. A bunch of derelicts that live and surround this area. So you're going to see that the police don't really care so much when things happen in this hotel, um, which is sad. Yeah. In 1926, or no, July 26, 1934, 55-year-old Louis DeBoer took his life. He was a sergeant in the U.S. Army Medical Corps. His body was found with his throat slit and he had the razor blade nearby and letters explain his reasonings of his death. Um, his own throat yes. with a razor blade. That's horrible. One of the things that was said in the letter was that he was having trouble with his health, but he bequeathed everything he had to some other woman, Miss Eden Hansen, and she was not his wife. Oh. So they're wondering also, does, did he have some marital issues and maybe ashamed? I don't know, but. He left everything to not his wife, anyway. That's shitty. Actually, the first thing that ever happened was in 1927. It was a 50-year-old Percy Ormond Cook. Um, from He was from Rhode Island. He spent eight hours, um, his last eight hours on the earth, on this, at the Cecil. Um, he had been he'd sunk into a deep depression, and he had wrote a letter to his wife saying that he was going to kill himself. So apparently he left home and then wrote her a letter and sent it to her. Um, he waited days and weeks and she never responded, never pleaded with him not to. So he decided he was going to have the courage. He was going to do it. And he says that money can not buy happiness. I tried and I find it cannot be done. Um, I lost my wife, my son and my home. And the only thing left for me to do, this is the only thing left for me to do. So this is probably, you know, this is 20, 1927. He lost, I'm sure everything during yes. depression. So he decided to check in here. Um, before he killed himself, he spent $40,000 in the pursuit of happiness. So that would have been like $600,000 today. So he had money. And then he spent it all. Then he decided to check into the Cecil and kill himself. And he was the first documented. And I don't know why I have this out of order, but he was the first documented. It doesn't say. It just said that he lived in misery in the hotel until his last breath. <laughs> eight hours of misery well no it was weeks beforehand oh okay his last eight hours so he must have checked into the cecil that day when he killed himself but it's very strange that people are checking into the cecil and then just they, killing I think themselves. It, it might be because the cecil had this image of being this wonderful place so they yeah went, maybe they go like, out that way i'm gonna go to this wonderful hotel and then kill myself here because this is what i view as this wonderful most best place ever Maybe. Like, why would you want to go kill yourself in some dump? I don't know. And a lot of people, they say that many people, you know, people find them in their homes, but a lot of people will go to not their home because they don't want to leave the mess for their family. Yeah. Which is sad and awful. Um, I leave it for some poor maid. Yeah, some poor maid to find you. Uh, March 14th, 1937, Grace Margot fell from the ninth floor. <gasps> she fell through the telephone wires. Um, and it slowed her just enough that she didn't die right away. Oh, God. Now, the man with her said he was sleeping during the time. And the hotel manager at the time confirmed, yes, he was sleeping all the time. However, the hotel manager wasn't in the room. So how okay. would he know? And the police said, okay. Oh. That was it. Okay. That's fine. I was asleep. Oh, yes, he was. 
Were you in there with him? I know. Maybe the hotel manager was sleeping with him. Yeah, the police the police uh, said took their word for it because they're men. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure. And no charges were filed. Um, many people felt that she was shoved out that window. Yeah, she probably was. Because there was no reason for her to jump. J- January 9th, 1938, Roy Thompson, a Marine fireman, went to the 14th floor of the Cecil and jumped. He landed on the building next door on their skylight. Oh. Isn't that awful? Can you imagine sitting or being in a building and then some man lands in the skylight? You're a and look up and yeah. seeing at something, some, the remains of a person on yeah. the skylight. Did he fall through the skylight? No, it said he landed on it, so it must be some heavy, heavy duty, duty skylight. <laughs> craftsmanship there. Yeah. May 8th, Yikes. 1939, U.S. Navy sailor Erwin Nesbitt. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Took a lethal dose of strychnine while staying at the Cecil. That's not a good awful horrific way to die i know it's awful why would you do that to yourself on purpose i don't know honestly if it's between poisoning yourself with strychnine and jumping off the top of a high building i would jump off the top me too because you're gonna die probably before you hit the hopefully have a heart attack on the way down it'd be a real quick you know what it feels like to fly for a little bit yeah at least then you won't be in agonizing pain i know i mean it'd be a big mess at the bottom um, he was found on the floor, swallowed on the floor with a poison nearby, and a letter to his uncle. Um, but no one knew what it said inside. Oh, God. Um, he lived oh. until he got to the hospital, then he passed away. He was stationed in San Diego. So he was stationed, you know, in California right. at the time, but decided to go to the Cecil to check in to do this. Um, in 1940, a year later, 45-year-old Dorothy Segus, a teacher from Riverside, took um took poison while in her room she checked into the cecil under the name evelyn durant wrote her family she was going to kill herself and then did it so she just drove there got a room wrote letters to her family and then just killed herself it's just crazy that this keeps happening every single year there's a suicide in this building um 1947 elizabeth sturt a a.k.a. the Black Dahlia, was rumored to have been seen drinking at the Cecil Bar days before her unsolved murder. Now, this has been debunked and then brought back up and then debunked again, so I'm not sure. I know that it was true that she was had spent time in that area because there were several hotels and bars in that area, but I don't know specifically if they've ever proven it was 
it was the Cecil that, that people saw her in. But right. she definitely was in the Skid Row area and at a bar right around the time she... And that was unsolved. That, that case never was solved. I know. That's like a famous cold case. Yes. Um, there are people... And I don't... You know, you have that morbid curiosity where you, like, you can look up the autopsy pictures and the crime scene pictures of her. And they're black and white. I mean, they're some of the earliest crime scene photos other than the Jack the Ripper case. Right. Um, there are people that get her autopsy photograph tattooed on themselves. That's creepy, man. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that either. And it's I'll talk a little horrific. bit about some kind of creepy things that people, people are just weird, if you know? somebody murders me in a horrific way like that and somebody tattoos it on themselves, you have my permission to go with it. Razor blade and shave it off. Their I will body. totally do please, that. Tell you, please, please, please. I, I will. I and will tell for them. Sure. Margaret gave me permission before she. She came. doesn't want you having this. <laughs> Come right at him. Tell him. But then punch him right in the face. Yes. <laughs> October forty, October nineteen forty-seven. Robert Smith. No, not the Robert Smith from the Aww, Cure. Oh, I got all excited. I know you did. <laughs> Kelly saw the look in my eyes. What? He <laughs> was thirty-five, <laughs> and he so, fell. He's not that old, Mark. He's not that old. <laughs> it was nineteen forty-seven. He was thirty-five. Yeah, be, no, maybe he is a vampire. He maybe it really be. happened. That's why he's so white. Yes, he's not makeup, Margaret. He's a vampire. He fell from the seventh floor. The, of the building. He is a vampire. He is a vampire. He lives. Robert Smith's still singing. He is. Um, uh, going back to 1944, I don't know. Why, why are these out of order? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, Dorothy Purcell decided to leave her family in Iowa. I'm 46 when my mom was born. 44 with my, my dad. dad. And my, my mom and my dad. Um, she decided to leave her friends, her family in Iowa and to take up a job in the defense sector during World War II. Um, in California. She was only 19. In late August of that year, she was very pregnant. She checked into the Cecil with a 38-year-old. Um, during World War II, right? Yep. During a 30, with a 38-year-old shoe, shoe, shoe salesman named Ben Levine. Um, they posed as a married couple probably because it would have been very... Yes. You know, not good if they didn't. Right. Um, September 3rd. Dorothy experienced, so they're in the Cecil, in their room. She started to experience labor pains. She didn't wake up then. She didn't get a medical attention. She decided to go to the bathroom and deliver the baby herself. She managed to um, cut off, or tie off the umbilical cord and cut it. And she said that her son was laying lifeless in her arms. She believed he was still hit. He was still, it was a stillborn. Um, she took the baby. She left her room. She went up a floor above hers, went to an open window, and threw the baby out. <gasps> I'm going to puke. Like, my brain can't I, even wrap around I, this. I can't. I can't. Then she went back to her room, like nothing happened, oh went back into God. bed. The baby was found on the roof of the building next door. It's broken body. Obviously not alive. <sighs> um, and Ben and Dorothy were taken into custody by the police. A murder investigation started, obviously, because they found a dead Ugh. baby. Um, coroner autopsy found that the baby's lungs had been inflated with air. Therefore, the baby was alive before it died. Ugh. Um, That's heartbreaking. He said that he probably needed just some vigorous, you know how they sometimes have to rub their backs, really get them vigorous, like, touches and, like, slapping their butts and stuff. That's a, something yeah. they used to do. But some vigorous... Um, um, agitation on the body and the baby probably would have cried. Um, 
her her defense said that she was so emotionally traumatized with the ordeal and had temporary insanity. The jury agreed and felt um, sanity that she had now sane again. She could walk free. So she did. Which, I, like, I don't know. Like, she very, I mean, who knows? if she really thought her baby was dead... I, why would you go throw it out a window, though? I'm like, I can't, unless you're really, like, so messed the up thing, in the head. It's, like, one of those things where you have to think about the time. And, like, for the time. Yeah. She wasn't married. She wasn't married. She was a 19-year-old girl. I mean, and, you know, it, the man she was with might have been married. He could have been. And, and he could, and they didn't say, they said that he wasn't the father. But why was he, why would he do that? Why did he put his neck out in the line like that? He probably wasn't. Yeah. And I think that, uh. She might not have had a lot of options and she might have thought the baby was dead and been like, she might have thought, you know, this is an easy end to a, a hard situation and yeah. just got rid of it so she didn't have to deal with it. Because even if she gave birth to the baby and it was dead, what would she have done with it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if she was alive, she could have just went and dropped it off at a hospital. Yeah, or at a church because a fire station or right, yeah. and that might be what she was planning on to do, um, but you don't know. I mean, in this day and age, she would have been convicted. Oh, for sure, definitely. But I mean, it, in the time, they looked at women different. Mm-hmm. Not that they were the fragile; they right. they couldn't handle things. And not and... that that was true, but also women were not treated as equals either. You know what no. I mean? It was like for the time. It probably was an accurate sentence. You know what I mean? I would, yeah. And and I don't know. Like, she very well could have thought her baby was not alive. And that she very much could have been traumatized and not even thinking. And that was her response to right. it. I don't know. You don't know. It's awful. The whole thing's terrible. I can't even sit to my it, stomach. I need the thought of it. It's just like, oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I can't. No, and I read it. I'm like, she what? Oh. She what? She, she, she did, just walked she her through what? her baby she out the window? She did what? What'd she do? I, I can't. I, what? And then went back to bed. But as a sign of a sane person, like that, like you weren't sane. You could not have been insane in that moment. And to throw the baby out of the window, you could have put it in a dumpster. You could have done anything, but that was your first instinct. I don't know. It's just crazy. Not that any of that's good no. <laughs> at all. But um, the, the actions are not of somebody in their right mind. No, they were not. I would agree with that. October 22nd, 1954. A stationary worker, Helen Gern. Um, ended her life by jumping from room 704 one week after arriving in L.A. She checked into the Cecil with an alias, Molly Brown, a.k.a. Nate. She used an unsinkable Molly Brown. I was going to say, that's the unsinkable mm-hmm. Molly Brown from the Titanic. When she jumped from the room, she landed on the hotel's marquee. Just landed like, right on the marquee. Obviously, people were gathered around and the fire department had to come and lift her body off the marquee with their ladder truck. It's horrifying. And no one knew why. She never left any reasoning. Yeah, it's awful. Oh. <laughs> uh, February 11th, 1962. That's like, if it, it, witnessing something like that would traumatize me forever. Can you imagine? I can't. Oh. I can't even... I, I would, not, it was I would like never a, recover from something like and that. And then, I'm sorry if it happened. I don't think I would have ran over and looked. I don't, I would not. If it but people in, do that. If, I, if it happened in front of me, I would never be the same person No, I can't even imagine. I can't either. 
And like no. you, I'll show pictures. You can see the marquee is not. It's just letters. It's, it's not, just in front of the building, right? Like yeah, the sidewalk. Well, the mar. No, she was on the sign. Oh, the oh. sign of the building. She's landed on, but you will see that there's not a lot depth to that sign. So she like must have skimmed the building all the way down and like right on those letters. Oh, horrible! Gosh, a lot of people jumped out of windows there. February eleventh, nineteen sixty-two. Julian Francis Sloan jumped from the eighth floor. She was forty-seven years old. Her body hit the second floor roof. Um, she was at the Cecil for a week before this. Um, no one knows. No left left no notes behind. No one knows why she checked in, why she was there, or anything. But some of these jumpers might have actually been pushed by people too. They could have been. The first one that I talked about. I'm almost positive that one did. Because the whole thing with the manager saying, oh, yeah, he was asleep. How do you know what he was sleeping? What were you doing right. in there? Right. Yeah. Or maybe the manager did it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Julia, Julian Francis, Julia Francis, she was alone. She checked in by herself. Like, she didn't know him with her. It doesn't mean no one came in, I guess. True. Yeah. So, anyway, next person here. Um, October 12th, 1962. 27-year-old Pauline Atten was staying at the Cecil with her husband. The two had been estranged before this, um, and had he, she had just stopped over where he worked and said, I really want to get back together, and they thought, okay, let's check into the Cecil. Because that's where earlier that, for romance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just see if we can work things out. Her husband said that he left to go get them dinner, and while he was gone, she plunged herself to the sidewalk below. Yeah, but this is the worst part. She jumps out of her her room, and she, this man's walking by, and she lands on top of him. Oh. George Giovanni, and killed them both. So this poor man's walking down the road, That's awful. and a person comes flying out of the sky and crushes him. It's horrifying. That is terrible the timing the odds like i guess it's your time you're to go if that happens right like well, what are the odds this is a depressing episode Kathleen. i'm sorry I'm so depressed <laughs> this is terrible depressing and terrible okay now we're gonna get into um another well they say there was two murders but i'm telling you there's more than that in this hotel yeah, yeah I'm um, sure. the first they count the Only baby two? they count the baby as one of the murders which the baby Technically was. Right. Um, and then this other one, in 1964, a longtime resident, Goldie Oswood, a.k.a. the Pigeon Woman, she got the nickname because she loved to feed the pigeons on the square nearby. Okay. She was, well, everyone loved her. She was well-liked by everyone in the neighborhood. They know her. She'd sit there with her Dodgers hat on, and everyone knew who she was. What year was this? This was in 1964. Okay. You could see it. Yeah. Picture it. L.A. 1964. Um, she was 65 years old. Um, and she had lived at the Cecil for six years. Like I said, it was at, the, at this point, people were like living there. They were renting it monthly. Um, but they also still have one like nightly rooms and things like that. But they, it was kind of transitioning to a more of a permanent residence for a lot of people that were kind of down on their luck because they found it cheaper than living in an apartment. Um, everyone loved her, like I said, in the neighborhood. And she, um, June 4th, an employee, Logan, uh, Klon, Klonin, found her door was unlocked while he was trying to deliver, I think it was, um, telephone books. Uh, and so he went to knock and the door opened and he's like, that's weird. And he found her inside. She was stabbed above the last breast and strangled. 
and she had been sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. The first suspect the police thought was Jacques Englin. He was also was a resident at the Cecil for some time. And when they found him, he had blood stains on his clothes and scratches on his face, and oh, someone had suspicious. bit his thumb. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Now, three weeks before Osgood well, died, was found, a 50-year-old woman named Virginia Brown, I can't read my own hand or anything, it's terrible, uh, was uh, at a different hotel, near which is just blocks from the Cecil, was also stabbed, raped, and strangled with her own stockings. Um, there was another person, her name was Martha, I think she was found similar way and she also liked to feed pigeons. So there was three ladies killed within weeks of each other, kind of similarly. Um, Jacques was released from custody because the police just said they didn't have anything on him and they didn't think he killed Goldie. Well, the L.A. Police Department. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, Especially this time, like in the 60s, they, 70s, 80s, they were not doing well. Some of, a few of the podcasts I listen to have referred to them as the hot dog squad. Yeah, they're not yeah. good. And they, they just don't care about this area. They just don't care. There's a bunch of, there's a lot yeah. of people that are crazy. They have diagnosed mental illnesses, drug addicts, prostitutes. There's a lot Low of. income. Yes, people homeless. And then our houses, they people don't have much. They're about to be homeless. Like, they don't care. Um, this case went cold. No one ever found her. Her She's never got justice. Um, it just went away. So three women were killed. They basically know who did it. I don't know. They don't know. That man had blood on his clothes. Well, yeah. Was on his face. He could have been the one that did it. But they don't say why they let him go. They just said... He didn't kill her. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes you wonder, like, what did they he have on them? What did they get in return? Why did that he get released? Like, no, like they didn't want to do their no, job. This is my blood. Okay. I scratched myself. Okay. I know. I bit my own thumb. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, in nineteen seventy-five, um. A woman registered as Allison Loette stayed in room 347. Four days later, she fell from the 12th story and landed on the second story roof. So that's two people that did that same exact thing. She fell or she jumped? It just says she fell. Mm. She fell so hard that her facial structure was so damaged she was unrecognizable. No one knows her real identity. Her name was not Allison because it wasn't real. They couldn't find anything. Um, And no one knows if she fell, if she jumped what happened, but no one cared because no one bothered looking. So it never was solved. Uh, Lots of unsolved. Lots of people, they say fell. They don't say if it was suicide. Right. Because, again, LAPD. Don't care. If you don't have, if you're who you are, depending on where you lived and what was going on, and it still happens today, unfortunately, where people, your income level, your color, your race, Your whatever depends on how hard they're going to work and figure it out. Mental health status, anything. So the 80s. Now, if you didn't think the Cecil was bad before, the Cecil was bad before, the 80s took a real low point for them, okay? (laughs) Drug use was at all-time high. They were transients living in the area. 
violent crime was happening all around the Cecil. I want to call it Cecil. It's not a Cecil. It's a Cecil. I want to call it Cecil for some reason. Because, you know, I don't say things right. It's okay. Um, so there's a lot of... It's part of your charm. It sure you. is. A lot of bad people living in and around this area. Uh, the most infinite, infamous resident to stay at the Cecil was the one and only Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. Night Sucker, a.k.a. as Marvel would stay, Stanky Stanky Port- Chops. Stanky Chops. Stanky Chops. Stanky Chops lived Ramirez. there. Ramirez. Um, <laughs> he lived up on the... known as, they renamed him, and I think it's the best name. I know, Stanky it's Chops. hysterical. Stanky Chops. Because him and with, he had really bad breath. Halitosis. Hal- bad halitosis. He probably didn't <laughs> bathe often he, either. Well, he had bad teeth. Like, yeah. He had really bad teeth. Ramirez, he lived on the 14th floor, and he paid $14 a night for his room, which was a really good place for him, the 14th floor, because the... The staff said the higher you went up in that building, the worse the people were. And they stayed clear. The staff wouldn't go up to the 14th floor. They wanted no part of it. Um, and that's where he was. Um, nice. He loved playing his music super loud. He stayed in his room for the most part. He listened to metal music super loud. Probably annoyed everyone around him. But the hotel itself wasn't. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There was a lot of bad stuff going on around it. Let's just say that. So much so that Ramirez would go out and kill someone, come back and strip his clothes off in the alleyway and walk in in his underwear without shoes, right through the lobby, right up the stairs. No one blinked an eye. Well, he kept his shoes for a while. Did he keep his shoes? That's one of the things that they were looking at because he left. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it must be he wasn't barefoot. But he was in, he was in his underwear until the stupid idiot. Maybe he was carrying his shoes because he was barefoot. So maybe he had his shoes in his hand. Maybe because he left shoe impressions until the was it the uh, stupid uh, media released the, the the shoe type and then yeah he, he changed his shoes. shoes. And then well, he, this then he started to be barefoot. This is six. Six weeks before he was caught. So I think it was probably around there. He was, yeah. yeah. Uh, But he would walk in there with blood on him, stripping down naked, half naked in the alleyway, coming in half naked. No one thought one thing of it. Not one thing. You could walk in naked and no one batted an eye because the stuff that was going around there, it was just bad. That was just normal. Yeah, it was normal. It was like, oh, this dude that lives on the 14th floor that we're we're afraid of. For some guy who keeps breaking in and murdering people. Keep on the lookout. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably that dude. It probably was that dude. Yeah. Um, people were interviewed after his, like, later on, like, the bartender said that if you looked him in the eyes, it was, it was nothing there. It was bad. Like, he would sometimes come down and have a drink, but often kept to himself in his room. Um, it's so weird that this place had a bar in it. Yeah. And it was a hotel, but it was, like. It was fancy. Yeah, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. I know, it's so weird. Like, this hotel that cost a million dollars in 1920 to build in a beautiful Art Deco style, Richard Ramirez could afford to stay there. So that doesn't tell you a lot. And it was, like, on the top floor that nobody went to because yeah. terrible people lived up there. Yeah. Um, you know, and during this time, L.A., there were people were living in fear when it came to nightfall because the Night Stalker was going to kill you. Yes. They, no one knew where he was. He had no rhyme or reason to any of the stuff no. he did, so no one knew why he was doing it or where he was going to go next. So, um... 
you know, and so he stayed there until he was caught. So he was actually living in the hotel for six weeks up until the time he got caught. So, in which, if you have not heard, you should listen to the Morbid episode about him because they're so good and I love they them. Really are. Um, and re and learn about how he got caught because it's the best justice, I think, yes. when he got caught by. Anyway, I'm not going to say it because you should go listen to it. There's a lot of women who love him and want to marry him. There's a lot of sickos out there, let me tell you. So, um, you know, that's the Ramirez end of the staying at the Cecil. Then there was a man that was accused of killing his girlfriend on Huntington Beach. He was arrested and he was in the Cecil. So that was in 1988. In 1991, um, for five weeks, an Australian serial killer named Jack Underwager. I think that's how you say it. Underwager. 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 He stayed at the hotel. Um, I think that um, last podcast on the left did him. Did he? Mm-hmm. So go listen to the last podcast. It's his Underwager. episode. Underwager. Underwager. So, um, the, the worst part of this whole thing is Jack, while he was in Australia, had been a, released from jail where he was for murdering people. They let him out as an example of rehabilitation. Uh-huh. And he started working for an Australian magazine as a true crime writer, which is insane. Uh-huh. And he, he wrote a book. Yeah. While he was while in he was jail. In yeah. Um, and while he, um. They think that he stayed at the Cecil or decided to go there because of the connection to Ramirez because he was a nut too. Um, but it's a perfect place for this man because it was an area surrounded by prostitutes and that's what he wanted to get. Yes, that's what he killed. So he, while he was staying at the hotel, he stalked the prostitutes around the area and he would sexually assault them. He killed three prostitutes, strangling them with their bra. That was his ML. Mm-hmm. Um... And like I said, he decided to stay there. I mean, he was caught, and there was a lot of stuff where he go back and forth to Australia because they, they they said Australia or Austria was it Australia? Oh, probably Austria. I think it was Austria, Colleen. I bet it was Austria because of his name. Makes <laughs> you think that Intervager. or Intervager, yeah. So he got like brought back there because that was where he was from. But then they ended up bringing him back to try. I don't know you have to listen to the, a podcast about his story. That's just a little blink. He actually, but the fact that he stayed at the Cecil is not surprising, really. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Ramirez, too. So this is just has a, there's such a dark history in this hotel. Yeah. And yes, people die in other hotels. For sure they do. But the weird mis- mysteries that, like, unsolved stuff that happened here and the amount of people that jumped is insane to me. The amount, yeah. I don't know if you could say the same about any other hotel no. I've heard of. No. Like every year. Yeah, for years, every year someone was doing it. Um, September 1992, an African-American man in his 20s was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Between the, he, They feel he, he fell from the roof. They couldn't tell if um, if he slipped, was pushed, jumped, they don't know. Um, but they don't know, they never even identified who he was. There was no, they didn't know who he was. He was just a John Doe and they just wrote it up. And, you know, being a, african-american male that made probably less worthy of the police to bother because the la police was super racist it's the early 90s yes no (laughs) never um (laughs) in 1995 murder suspect eric peel i think it was who it was was found at the cecil after breaking out of jail in cast yet cast 
that? I don't know. Anyway, he broke out of jail and ended up going to the Cecil. Now, are you stupid? Wouldn't that be the first place someone would kind of look for you? Like, what are you thinking? Oh, boy. According to the LA Times, July 8th, 2003, a man found dead in a room at the Cecil. Um, possibly of strangulation. Police did not identify him nor why it happened. Okay. And they were like, okay, see ya. Because that's what the police did. That was 2003. Yeah. That wasn't even that long ago. Um, in 2011, the hotel decided we need to change our brand. We need to revamp some things because the Cecil has a little bit of a reputation. So they decided that they were going to also call the Stand the Main. So one side of the hotel was the Cecil and the other side of the hotel was Stand the Main. So when they marketed it and put it online for unsuspecting tourists that were coming to the area, they would book a spot at Stand the Main. It looked beautiful. Oh, it looked fantastic because the lobby was gorgeous. But they were really staying at the Cecil, so it was really shitty and awful that they did it. Because some people might not want to stay there. <laughs> you think? <laughs> they would have separate reception areas during the day, but shared all the same facilities. And their right. website, if you went to the main website, if you clicked on their website, you know how you do that when you're booking things and, like, whatever? Mm-hmm. It said the CecilHotel.com. But if you didn't click on it, you just got it through Expedia, you would never know that you were going to go there. And they think that's what happened to Alyssa Lamb, which we're going to talk about very briefly. I'm not going to get really into right. it because there's so much stuff on her, but... Um, they rebranded it. She was sent, she booked her room at the stay, stay on the main. And a lot of other people did too, because they were trying to become more of an upscale hotel again, but you're the Cecil and Rick, Richard Ramirez. If he stayed there, I'm sorry. Stanky chops. If he could, if he stay in there, you're not getting away from that history. No, you're not getting away from it. You're not. Um, 2013, there was attempts made to turn the four, 400 part, 400 rooms in the hotel as vacant 400 vacant rooms in the hotel into affordable housing for the homeless. Um, they were really pushing for that, which would probably have been amazing to do, right. getting people off the streets. But of course, politicians and business owners around the area said, nope, 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 and it never happened. Because God forbid you try to do something good. Oh Let's God. change the energy here. Can we do something good here? No. Um, the last. Then where are the processes going to take their jobs, Colleen? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, these businessmen need someplace to take their prostitutes, please. Uh, How dare you not think of them? The last person to jump at the Cecil was June 12th, 2015. A body of a young man was found on the street outside the hotel. Um, He appeared to have, they're guessing he he jumped off the hotel because he had fallen from great heights. Um, He was 28 years old and found dead at the scene. Um, the manager said that he did not stay at this hotel. He wasn't a guest, so he wasn't checked in. The police never released his name and never knew if he jumped or someone heard him because they don't give a shit nope. about anyone in Skid Row. Because if you were over there, who cares? And they, it did say that because of the like release of the mentally ill people who had mental illness got released and a lot of people ended up because you're homeless, you're going to go where it's warm. So it was like a stampede towards there. And that was like a draw because Skid Row was a place. And there was a community kind of there of homeless people. And that they were very overwhelmed with the amount of crime that was happening around this area. However, I think they were overwhelmed because they didn't try to solve any. Right. Maybe if you solved some crimes, it wouldn't be as many crimes. I don't know. Well, That's just my idea. crimes because they won't ever get solved. Exactly. Don't care. Um, 
Let's see here. Uh, Anne Prince, if you watch the Netflix documentary on the Cecil and the uh, Alyssa Lamb case, um, she's the she's the hotel manager they interview in. <laughs> she's a little weird, but <laughs> um, she said in the 10 years that she worked there, from 2007 to 2017, 80 people died. Oh, my know. God. Now, I'm just talking about the, like, the jumpers and maybe murders that were... Overdoses, probably. Overdose. Most of them were not murders. Mo- probably a lot of overdoses and happened natural, there. Like heart attacks yeah. things like that. But the fact that 80 people in 10 years died... That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, one of them was the jumper, the one guy that jumped. Um, because that's the only one that I had. But, like... The mystery, like, I keep thinking, the mystery around all these things were, and the unsolvedness, and the bad juju that this building holds is horror. And do you know what I want to do? I want to go there so bad. Oh, me too. I would like to go and spend one night with Cecil. Um. Ah, uh, not on the top floor. Not on fourteenth floor. No, thank Maybe you. The, I'd go up to second floor. I'd just be afraid something. Um, seventh and eighth floor. Wind would blow through my room and blow me out the window. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not saying the seventh or eighth floor because that's think, where all the jumping happens. I think they need to, you know, honestly, I you go to say the Super Eight Hotel that's like cheap ass, and you're in a top. You can't open those windows. No, they don't open. No, well, you kind of think this was built in the twenties, and this was like in the sixties and thirties. People were the windows probably opened then. Right. They didn't care. Now they don't let you open them. But they probably just try to find their way up to the top floor and then jump them off. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. I'm like, yeah, and God, the one woman that threw her baby out, she had to go to another floor to be able to get a window that opened. I remember reading that. So, so that is premeditated. That's a bit. little weird. I if don't it was know. her room. It's a little. No, it wasn't. She went up a floor she to like find an open window. And then... To find an open that's window. Strange. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So now we're at the point where the most famous probably thing right now is the Alyssa Lamb. Yes. That's because it's crazy. And there's a Netflix documentary. Tons of pocket. There's a bunch of crazy armchair detectives out there that have been researching this case for years and think they know the answers. And there's just so much around it. And this is probably the most famous thing about the hotel, which probably put on a lot of people's radar in the last, you know, three or four years. Anyway. Um, Elevator game. Yes. That's what people say. Um, Alyssa Lamb is 21, and she's from Vancouver, and she decided she wanted to tour America. She wanted to come and live her life and see the world, and that was her goal. Um, she decided to start in the West Coast, so she went and to... She lives on the West Coast. Yes, makes sense, right? She comes yeah. down the coast, She uh, start, she's in San Francisco, or San Diego, and then she heads to LA. Um, she checks into the Cecil. Um, Under Stan the Maine. Understand the main, which she saw online and it looked really nice. So she had no clue what she was going, getting herself into. One of the main reasons they think that she picked that is because she was a huge book lover and there was a really cool bookstore down the street, which also is known to be haunted. Ooh. Interesting. Um, and between that and the price was really good. You're like, this pretty, this nice hotel and this price is fantastic. Yeah, it's good because you're at the Cecil and, and Stinky Chops was there. <laughs> She, when she booked the room, she had no clue she'd be staying at LA's Murder Hotel, which is another name. Murder Hotel, LA's haunted, most haunted hotel, or suicide, the suicide were the names of the hotel that people in LA give them. Um, three days after she checked in, she went missing. 
I'm not going to go through her whole thing, but I just feel I have to touch on it because it is a huge part of the history history and like the bizarre mystery part of this hotel. Um, when she first arrived, she was in room uh, 506 and she shared it with several females. It was very much like a hostel. So you would sleep in a room with a lot of people and you shared a bathroom kind of thing. Uh-huh. So a lot of times people were staying in rooms with like four or five other people. Um, and she was. Uh, some other women, but they said that she was really acting weird and they really didn't feel comfortable staying in the room with them. So they went to the management and asked her to move and they moved her to another room where she was by herself. Um, she decided she was declared missing February 1st. Now she was in touch with her parents this whole time, every day talking to them, talk. then she didn't. And that was not like her. She would talk to her parents. That wasn't weird. So her parents contacted the hotel, um, when they had, when they hadn't heard from her, um, and then they declared her missing. Um, the hotels, so they did an investigation on this. Um, they went to her room and they saw that it was completely a wreck, but it wasn't like ransacked. It wasn't like someone was in there burglarizing or fighting. It was just, she it was more of like a mental health looking destroyed room. Not right. a, I think that she's 21. And that's about when people start to show signs of schizophrenia. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of more things. Um, the hotel CCT cameras, and this is where you'll see, and I'm, I'll share the link to this so you can watch her. In the, and this is the creepiest thing. Watch, if, you see, if you've seen the, the footage elevator, of the elevator, it's, it's scary. It is. Something out of a horror movie. Um, you see her in the elevator. She's alone. She appears to be talking to someone. But you can't see the person. They're not on camera. If there is a person, we don't know. Um, the doors stay open for a long time. And it's like either she's trying to avoid them. She's fighting with them. She's acting anxious. She's hiding. nervous. She's hiding. She looks out the door of the elevator. Looks both ways. Like is moving very jerky and weird. Like her movements are so creepy. Um, and then she um Goes back into the thing and, like, hides in the corner. Then she decides, I'm going to hit every one of the buttons on the elevator. So she hits all the floors. and But she's doing it even the way she's pushing the buttons. It's weird. And um, she steps out of the elevator again. And she's making these weird just like, like, she's leading an orchestra or something with her arms. She's like, her arms are moving everywhere. She gets really wild. And then she just walks away. And she's gone. And that's the last time anyone caught her on camera in the hotel um they know for a fact that she didn't leave the hotel because there was no footage of her walking out from any of the exits um and so they uh spent the night searching going in and out of every room trying to find her could not find her in the hotel three weeks after she went missing guests um called the front desk to complain about the water pressure and the weird dark color and the weird taste the water had this is horrible uh, a hotel employee went to the roof to check one of the thousand um, gallon water tanks that they had up there, a storage unit. They had four of them. He opened the tank and there was Alyssa Lamb's partially decomposed body. People were drinking the water that she was. Yeah, I know. They were, so people were drinking water where her body was, so that's why it was discolored and stinky oh, and God. the pressure was bad because that. she, uh, This poor girl. I don't, um, so, you know, the police couldn't find her so they decided to release that footage to see if anyone knew what was going on no yeah. one did 
Um, but they put a lot of, uh, made a lot of armchair detectives come to life. There's like a YouTube channels dedicated to Alyssa Lamb. There's podcasts dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, um, first they said that the, it was, it was, could not be determined her death first. And then it said an accident. It got changed. So people thought that was weird. The coroner changed it. But coroners, sometimes things come up and they realize, oh, wait, that's, we saw this, you know, piece of evidence. I don't know. I'm sure coroners aren't 100% every time and maybe he, they could very well determine it as an accident. Or, but that made people like, oh, this is suspicious. Why is he changing it? Why is he saying that he could, they couldn't tell and now they're saying it's an accident? Now, Alyssa did have a diagnosis of depression and bipolar. Um, and when they did the talk screen, and I think this is part of the reason why they think it was an accident, is that her medication was too low. Like she may have gone off it or wasn't taking it. Now, anyone that has bipolar or anything else, any other kind of mental health thing, if not without your medicine, not ever being on medicine, it's hard to function. And to do things. <laughs> but if you've been on medicine and you abruptly go off it, it can cause hallucinations. It can cause right. weird things to happen. Paranoia. Mm-hmm. She was very anxious. She was talking to something that wasn't there. Um, Especially the girls that were living with her said she's acting strange and we don't feel comfortable living with her. Right. And the fact that the hotel was like, okay, we'll just stick her in another room and not. I like place some blame on the hotel because she's staying there and you moved her to another room after they said, but again, you're at the Cecil. They don't care. I don't know if anybody would though. Like she's acting weird and she's, I mean, but people are weird. So how do they know that that's That's true? Well, and plus look who the people have stayed there. Right. I mean, and it's like anywhere though, like if you're in a hostel anywhere, they'll be like, this person's weird and we don't want to live with them. Be like, Either they, you, okay. Normally they'd say, suck it up. Don't right. worry about it. But at least they were nice and they moved her. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. that's not, like, she's not being violent or, no. you know what I mean? So it's like, well, it's not really there. She even, to. I think, said that when she went to the bookstore, she got kicked out for being aggressive and acting weird. They kicked her out of the bookstore, too. Um, So I, when they were searching, they did, um, you know, where they smell her clothes and the dogs were going. It ended up, her set ended at a window um, so that. They think that where the fire escape was, that she was climbed up the fire escape. Climbed up the fire escape, went up there and went. In. And if she thinks she's paranoid, she's hiding. She thinks something's after her, hiding in that water tank. Could have been an option in her head. Like this is safe. And then she couldn't get out and drowned. Um. So there's like I said, there's a lot of people. Some people say you know um, she went to a different dimension. Yes. Some people say she played the ele- the, uh, the the elevator, elevator game, game, which is weird and crazy. Yes. And then you can look Google that because I'm not even going into that. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Um, and then other people think you know the the evil spirits in the Cecil drove her to madness. Um, which they say that about half the a lot of the history when they're talking about people um, staying at the Cecil and off. then falling, it's been like a evil spirit possession or something happening to him. So there's right. a lot of paranoia, normal stuff. They talk about, um, you know, other people think that a employee there did it or someone else saying the thing and the employee helped them get to the roof because the roof was supposed to be locked. The door to get on the roof was supposed to be locked. But 
do you really think this people there? They don't even want to go to the, the upstairs to get to the floor. I don't really. it, so I don't. And mean, it's one of those things where it's like somebody forgot to lock the door. I think they, exactly. they fingerprinted the water tower. The only fingerprints on there were Alyssa Lambs. I think. Yeah. So I mean, I'm like, why would mm-hmm. her fingerprints be on there and no one else's? Exactly. You couldn't. She was already in. So even if you rub the fingerprints off, yours off, hers would have gone off too. Like she was already right. in the tank. And the, they also, another thing they said, well, there's no way this little girl could lift that heavy tank door. And was the tank, and then the guy who went up there and found it couldn't remember if he opened the tank or if it was already open. Like, how could she have shut the tank when she got in there? Because she would have been inside and she would be able to reach it. And then the guy couldn't remember if he opened it or if it was already open because he probably was traumatized by finding a dead woman bloated inside a water tank. <laughs> You're going to tell the people that said the water was brown and it tasted weird. Like, oh yeah, there's a dead body in there. Sorry. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were those people who were drinking that water and taking baths in it for three weeks? People stay there. You know how many people drink that water? I'm surprised they weren't sick. So you don't drink tap water? No, never drink tap water. Never drink the tap water. Filter does not filter out dead. No, go buy yourself a gallon of spring water. You bring bottled water with you, or bring a gallon. Any hotel. Especially if they have a reservoir of tanks on their roof. I don't trust that. No. Even before this, I don't think I trust that. Nope. Especially LA gets dry, so, you know. Yeah. And you can go watch that Netflix documentary. It's really good. I liked it. Um, And kind of see. And they really, one thing, they, <laughs> there were some people that were, like, obsessed with her and her case, you know, trying to figure out what happened to her. I totally get that. You want to solve this. You want to know what happened to her. Like, you feel like you're helping. But there's some people that are a little. They're not helping. Are not helping. They're putting. They, they. They were that one guy that was staying there. He was like from Sweden, or he was in a he was like a death metal singer. From and they, Sweden, really? Yeah, and I think it was was it, it ja, was ja. Yeah, it was a uh, one of the places that death metal singers are from Norway, maybe. And they they thought he did it, and they and he didn't do it. He wasn't even there during. They come to find out he wasn't even staying there at the same time she was. He happened to have been there like three weeks before she got there, and because he was like like death metal stuff, you know, like you know, like goat's heads and pentagrams and stuff they were like oh he did it and they had like him being completely harassed and they proved he wasn't even in the country at the Which time didn't end. and so not only did they cause a problem for him when they did that but when they did this documentary they interviewed him in it and the nutty people who said oh, i still think he did it are now harassing this poor guy again oh my it's still, god so it's these it's i get you want to help and, and there are some people that do like look at um with uh the Golden Gate. Yes. The um, Patton Oswalt's wife wrote a whole thing on it. And she really had it done. Like, that was one of the reasons why they figured it out. Because of her work. Yes, there are people that can help. But the, this one guy made his friend videotape him rubbing her grave. Like, dude. That's no. creepy and gross. Like, her parents don't need to see that. No. Why are you doing that? That's just not. You no. weirdo. Um. So, anyway. Alyssa Lamb is probably what put the Cecil back in the heads of a lot of people where they probably didn't think much of it before. I think when R- Ramirez got caught, it probably was in their old staying at the infamous whatever. And when um, the guy from Austria was caught there, the serial killer, I'm sure. But this kind of put it right back in the books again as being a weird paranormal place. Um, and it was bought by someone in 2017. They started doing um, renovations on it. Again, they wanted to make it into another hotel. Um, but the pandemic happened, so a panorama, the panorama came around, and the hotel closed, was closed temporarily, and halting of the thing, and 
Um, it was only closed, like, I think January till December 13th, 2021. The Open Cecil again. reopened into affordable housing complex. Um, it's operated by the Skid Row Housing Trust. Good. And it'll provide 600 low-income residents homes. Which, nice. let's turn the history around a bit and that make this a good place. However, there's more to this, Margaret. I'm not oh, done yet. Okay. I know, this is a long episode. People are going to be like, what the heck, Colleen? Three-parter? <laughs> uh, so, there's a TikTok creator who lives right across the street from the hotel. His name is Pete Monzingo. Uh, when the hotel was closed, uh, he was recording things. And he uh, records lights being turned on and off inside the windows. He says that he um, has seen figures walking around when there should have been no one there. Because no one was working on it during the pandemic. It was closed down, shut down. Um, he says he saw a man sitting in a room smoking a cigarette. And, the, and he could see him through lights in the room, which shouldn't have been on. And he said his apartment was completely dark. And he said he watched the man follow him from one room to the next when he was walking through. Like, the man couldn't have... How could that guy see him? I have goosebumps just talking about it. Oh, my God. And you can go check his stuff out. He has a YouTube channel, too, I think, um, about staying, living across the street. And he said that he, when you're just walking by the hotel, you get bad vibes. Like, it's just bad stuff. Bad mojo. Yes. One time... This is terrible. One time, he saw a young woman standing in the opening of a window... And um, the woman looked a lot like Alyssa Lamb. And he got really concerned. You see this woman standing in an open window up on the on thing thinking, oh my God, she's going to jump. He calls out to her. She doesn't answer. 911 is called by other people too seeing this woman standing in the window. Come to find out, Ghost Adventures was filming there. And it was a woman acting out Alyssa Lamb stuff. Oh my God. It's just... Yes, Ghost Hunters have been there. You can watch the episode of them there trying to find. But that's about traumatizing the people that live around there. Oh, my God. Um, Joy Johnson, who's the author of The Reluctant Caregiver, um, she it is a book she wrote about caring for her mom when she was uh, had cancer. But she um, is, talks about that her father became a citizen in May 1965. And... Um, his first, very first address she discovered was the Cecil. When he came to the country, that was where he lived in 1965. Um, and he would share this experience he had while living there. He said one night he woke up um, drenched in sweat. And he tried to sit up but couldn't move. He felt hands closing around his throat and trying to squeeze and strangle him. And his chest felt very heavy. And he started to not be able to breathe. Then suddenly, as quick as it happened, he gained control of his body Obviously, he's the smart man. Took off running out of the room. Yeah, that's what I would do. Oh my god! He ran to the front desk and he told the man at the front desk what happened. And he, the guy, just struggling. He goes, "Yeah, someone got murdered there." So people, like when she shared this story on her podcast, people are like, "It was. I bet it was Goldie's room, the Pigeon Lady's room <gasps> that he was staying in because she got strangled, and it was right before. Like sixty five was the year she May. She got strangled right before that, not long before, like sixty four. So they're thinking, I wonder if it was Goldie." Goldie odds with his broom. Um, he asked for a new room, obviously, and they moved him and nothing else happened while he stayed there. Um, like I said, she wrote about this, her father's experience on her blog in 2012, and there were three other commenters saying that they or their aunt, one of them said it was them, one of them was the aunt, was, had the same exact experience at that hotel. And they stayed in the same room. Oh, no! 
Now, you know, these are comments on the internet, so people could make things up, but still. Because it's, it's old houses. They don't have I know, we can't. We could go there, walk around it. I um, let you in if you don't live there. I know, but we walk around the outside. Oh, that's true. Look at it. Um, Rob, or we could walk in and pretend we're, oh, we're just visiting our friends on the, not the 8th, not the 7th or the 14th floors. We're not going to those. Um, <laughs> there is a paranormal investigator named Rod Hernandez that, um, was able to get into the Cecil when it was still open. In 2011 was his first day he went, um, but nothing really happened that time. Um, the second visit after, this was after the death of Alyssa Lamb, he definitely said he could feel a change in the atmosphere, but he said like, it became a really popular place where a lot of ghost people were going at this point with Alyssa Lamb because yeah. it got popular. And the hotel, the place, the hotel started pumping in music everywhere because people were trying to do EVPs, you know, the ghost stuff. Uh-huh. And they, they, they couldn't do it unless it was quiet. So it kind of, they did that purposely to stray people away. Right. Um, he stayed in the room 1419, which was Ramirez's room, purposely asked for it. The two other people oh. with him went stayed in the pigeon lady's room. Which why? I wouldn't mind. I'm not ever gonna go near Richard Maria's room. No, April, he yo. This is the funniest part, Margaret. He said there was a distinct smell in that room. It smelled terrible. <laughs> I bet it was his breath linger. Um, he yeah, said I... that they couldn't do EVPs because it kept on picking up because the walls are really thin and it was picking up. There, there's people with mental illnesses living there. People yelling, people think it's hard really to do anything. Um, he tried to speak to the staff about working there. What would happen? No one would talk to him about it. Um, he says he definitely believes there's ghosts in this building. However, he didn't pick anything up or have really any experiences with it. But he says, you know, when you walk in a place and you can just feel it, he goes, you can feel it here. And he said that you could tear that building down, but there's a definite uh, psychic scar there. And... It, that energy is going to be there forever, no matter what you do. There's just a negative feel about that place. And he said, "I didn't." He was honest, like I didn't pick anything up, but I do 100% feel like there's. It's it's either he said that that energy that stays, that energy that echo they say yeah. that stays. Obviously, there's been trauma trauma happening in this place, and a lot of it that has weird, mysterious surroundings. Yeah. Um. And the one, this is the part I like to show. So if you watch American Horror Story, uh, the fifth season was um, Hotel, was a Hotel Cortez. It's a fictional, but it was also located downtown LA and in an area like Skid Row. The same style, Echo, Art Deco style. Mm-hmm. And um, deaths in the hotel kind of reflect the things that happened in the Cecil in real life. Now, the producer of the show never admits that he really it is the Cecil but it's the Cecil um just like on the Cortez guest check-in and then don't check out again happens in that if you watch the season that's what happened um and there's something he did mention about the Alyssa Lamb case that made him kind of think like look into the Cecil before he did hotel so I think it obviously he's without coming out and saying it he basically said it inspired him um and also in the episode Devil's Night, uh, the the episode show that once a year that that um was it James Marsh Marsh he was um it was Tate it was uh yes you know what I'm talking about yes I do what's his name Evan Peters plays him and he would hold a dinner party once a year for spirits of history's most vile serial killers. There was Dahmer was at the table, Eileen what's her Warnos? face yep and Ramirez. 
So chops and salt. the fact that they had stinky chops there kind of was a little nod to the Cecil also. So it yes. kind of all ties together. Um, I always thought the Hotel California, the song, was related to it. Yeah. And the people say that, yeah, it kind of is kind of a thing. Other people say it's about capitalism or something, but... Um, I really think it, it's kind of a, that song is eerie. If you really listen to that song, that's not fun. You check in, you mm-hmm. don't leave. No, thank you. And that was the Cecil. People get, would check in and they, well, they might leave, but it's out a window. And that's not how you want to go. Or pieces in the body or people, bag. <laughs> yeah, they or. scrape you off the sidewalk. Or you leave because you're in a water tank and died and they take you out on a coroner's bag. Like, yeah, it's, it. So, I fa- I'm fascinated with things that are, like, buildings that, that enter, like, the same with the Queen Mary. There's that echo that's left. Also in California. Also in California. Not far from it, really, if you think about it. So, yeah, I'm a little obsessed with the... And same time, built the same time. Art Deco style. <gasps> I'm just putting all this together, Margaret. Yeah. I need to go to see the Queen Mary. I can't get in the Queen Mary anymore, and I can't get into the, the Cecil. But we're going to go there, and we're going to go outside of them, and I'm going to feel that. Maybe that's what that panic attack started as. When I thought when I saw the Queen Mary and I thought because it was so big I couldn't go maybe it was really that energy I was feeling. It was. Maybe I was having that like I could sense the hauntings. Okay. Anyway, that's the history of the Cecil Hotel. This yes. is a long episode, but we haven't had a long one in a while, so might no, as we well. Haven't. Might as well, you know, live it up. I'm gonna have a good one next week too. I'm excited. Yeah, it's um Don't tell. I have reading a book and it's something I've never heard of before, and I read about it. I'm like, no way this happened. This did not happen. So I and read um, a book for this one, um, and I'll link it or put the title and stuff. And it was good. Uh, it was written by a um, ghost, like a paranormal investigator, um, and apparently everyone loves this guy. I didn't. I don't know a lot of paranormal investigators, so I didn't know. But and then I, you know, I reference some of it from the documentary on Netflix. I watched it a couple years ago, but it sticks in your head. Um, and then I had some articles on it um, that were written, like things right from the LA Times, like the articles right from the LA Times about the deaths that happened around it too. So I'll link all that stuff in there. Um, so you can, if you want to read the book, you can. There's a lot more information in the book. And a lot of things that that guy relates to other things that happened to him that were paranormal. So it's kind of cool. Um, but the Cecil's interesting. Google the pictures. I will post some of the stuff there, but um, just to see the hotel, just looking at it gives you the creeps. But the the friggin' lobby is gorgeous <laughs> to this day. Awesome. So, all right. Well, we hope you have a great week. Make sure you uh, we're gonna put our link tree in the description of this episode so that you can go and see our website. You can follow us on Facebook, um, on TikTok, on YouTube's, and on Instagram. And you can reach out to us through email at thecousinsweird at gmail.com. And you can send us any kind of, if you just want to reach out and talk to us, send us a hi. Send us a request. Talk to us. Send us scoopy, scoopy. <laughs> scoopy, scoopy. Spooky stories. If you have any spooky stories. Have you weird. experienced any haunting, yeah, spookings, UFOs? Strange. We don't care. We want to hear send about it. it. to us. We want to do episodes about you guys, too. Yeah. We're trying to collect some stories so we can do a whole episode just on the... Uh, on stories you guys send us. Yeah, it'll be fun. And let us know if we can use your name. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, terrible Trends is. Um, yes. We're going to go live today. Like when this comes out, it'll be tomorrow. Yeah. But you'll be <laughs> but able to watch the live replay. You can watch it and it'll be released in podcast form on Thursday. Um, so keep watching for that. Those are little mini episodes on They're Terrible fun Trends little ones. in History. 
This week is a medical trend that oh, is boy. no longer in use. Thank God. Probably thank God. I can. It probably has something to do with feet. Margaret likes to torture me. Oh, thank God. Worse. Oh, I don't know if that's a thing. (laughs) It is totally worse, Colleen. I don't think it could be. You wait. (laughs) All right, friends. If you want to support us, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash the cousins weird and you can give us five bucks to buy us a coffee. And help us get new headphones, because I need some. And, or you could do it a monthly, and you get cool extra stuff from us for doing that. You get exclusive content. Merch. Mm-hmm. So, I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay freaky, friends. Bye. Bye.